but also just with a, a unique um, season of my family's life where we're just kind of getting sick more than we ever really have, um, I think, in prior winters or in prior seasons. There just seems to be a bit of an, uh, you know, an unusual pattern in the Temple family. Uh, my son, uh, which is a walking uh, poster child for organic food, uh, he, he, whenever he spikes a fever or gets a bit of a nose, even if he, uh, a runny nose, even if he's crying, we got get all the medical fear sets in. We're like, oh my god, because you just never used to see him sick. It's really true. So um, last week he spiked a good fever, and we're like, what the heck? No symptoms on the outside, just a high fever. He was he was just miserable, just so uncomfortable. And man, your heart breaks as a father, your heart breaks as a mother. I'm sure parents here can understand. And, um, you know, there was no visible signs. Well, lo and behold, as of Wednesday this week, he just let it go. I mean, just the, the mucus, the, the, the uh, coughing just really started to set in. Just like Jesus. And uh, lo and behold, my wife woke up this morning and my son gave my wife an impartation of that which was on it. Uh, so she has a bit of ache in her bones that are starting. Uh, she had a real grueling day, I think, either, I think it was Friday, we're just like meetings and, and getting together with friends, and I think it just took her toll, and that thing just set right into her. But, you know, I, I want to bring this all up. Is It's not just my family that is experiencing this. I mean, we have people that we are friends with that are part of this community that are experiencing... A, some really turbulence, uh, you know, in their families, you know, from cancer to just sickness. I know our community here at Jayhop has battled heavily this winter, I think, more so than any other winter with just getting the fever, you know, getting runny noses, coughs, sound like we're a bunch of smokers. I don't really know what the Lord's doing, but I just want to spend a little time, brief moment, in prayer. Uh, I, I believe, actually, a, a good pastor friend of mine, Mike Cervello, uh, had instilled within me uh, principles about building a hedge of protection, Amen. building a, a wall of protection around your family, your friends, your finances. And I, and ever since he kind of instilled it in me, I live by that motto. I, I believe because of what Christ did, we can be healed. That uh, it's, It can be a, 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 a kind of disease-free zone around those who fear God. Amen? I believe that. I mean, call it crazy. I believe it's scriptural. So I want to take the time. I don't want to be overly dramatic about it. But let's just stand to our feet again. <laughs> I know, a lot of up and down. I'm just going to pray briefly and maybe ask Noah to come and pray. I'm going to pray for students, and I want Noah to pray for families, just that the Lord would protect, preserve, that He would heal our sicknesses and our diseases. I'm talking not just about my family's sickness. I have a close friend whose father has cancer, had just a really off-the-cuff experience. And, he, and, and, and we have another friend who has a friend who it's just... Uh, it's just crazy right now. You know, it's just crazy. So, Lord, Father, I lift my face, I lift my voice, God. Pray, Father, for students who are here. God, and students that we know that aren't here, Father, we ask, God, the Spirit of God to surround them, God, to build a hedge of protection, God. Father, over their finances, over their families, their friends, their health, Jesus. We extend our hands and we say, preserve us in the Oh, Lord, that we might walk in health, that we might walk free, God, but not just walk in it, God. Be anointed to deliver those who are walking in infirmity, God, those who are battling with cancer, God. We ask, God, as even we're talking about Acts, Lord, that you would give us an outpouring, Lord, to have authority over sicknesses, 
Jesus' mighty name. Father, we just pray for families. God, we pray for children. Brothers and sisters, husbands, wife, cousins, all the spectrum of family, God, those who are on hearts right now. Father, we're asking, would you meet us, Lord? Would you ask, we ask for your presence that drives out infirmity and sickness, God? We're asking for a bathing of grace in the presence of God. But we say, where your spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, God. We ask for the breaking of the back of sickness over this community, God. Lord, those who are experiencing even a cold or even a stuffy nose, God, a driving back, God, raise up a sign, a spectacle out of this community, Lord Jesus, that you're moving, that your power is evident, God. That, Lord, we say we have no toleration for this sickness, God. Lord, we have no agreement for sickness in this house, God. We pray for healing to run rampant upon the body, Lord Jesus. Healing to, to find its place within hearts and minds, Lord Jesus, and bodies, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to just ask Will to continue playing. You can be seated. I'm going to be brief. I'm going to try to be brief anyways. Those seats are mighty uncomfortable. So I don't want to hold you too long. And the weather is beautiful. And I believe the Lord wants to, us to enjoy it. Come on. We're in March, and there is weather like this. <laughs> well, uh, my Edson Portal actually addressed our group. How many love Edson? Just a good spirit on that man. I just love that guy. He addressed our group last Sunday. Just a man of faith. I mean, his testimony. I, I would have rather much him preach his testimony than what he preached because it's really profound. Being intercessors, being people of prayer, our dedication is something that he has lived out. Where We have lived it out for six years, maybe. He's lived it out for 13 or 14 years, just continually hammered uh, in the place of prayer. God, send revival, particularly in Harvard, just asking God for awakening. I just, I get fueled. I said, Lord, I've scratched the surface. He, he's an older man, and he's still going. He can, he, he outdoes me on every level, on every level, and I just love his zeal and his passion. He's a man of prayer, and the week prior to that, Bethany uh, addressed the group. We've been focusing on the book of Acts. Come on. It's a good book. It's a good book. Not only is it a good book, it's a it's a, a, a direct look into what the Spirit of God wants to do in our generation, in our time. You know, we don't need to be under the mindset that Acts was just for a particular place at a particular time. Although it was, but it's something that we can look forward to now in our generation. You know, if you've been around this community for any length of time, rather it be in our prayer sets, uh, and some of our evangelistic things that we do, whatever it is that you've been a part of, you hear this type of language. This is not new. You may even have gotten aggravated at this type of language. You may have even been bored with this type of language. But the truth is, our hearts burn for this reality. Because we we don't look at it just as words on a page. You know, we look at this as the prompt. This is our almost like it's our inheritance Lord, to walk in the manifest power and expression of Christ. Who wants that? I want that. I don't want to just go to church and be bored and try to get through the hour of some man talking to me or some woman talking to me. I want to experience the glory and yeah. majesty of God. I want tongues of fire to fall in this place. I want healing, signs and wonders. Call it glory hungry. That's really not my purpose. I mean, look at how many people are here. We're not really into big ministry. We're just in that God would get the glory. Amen. That He would get the Amen. glory on our dude's name. That's what it's all about. So... Hear me, I'm not on a glory trip. I'm not on a power trip that I just feel like I need to be endued with power so I can get a bigger pulpit. It doesn't really impress me all that much. I have opportunities to have that bigger pulpit, to have that bigger stage. 
my heart just is, is, is not become content with it because I've seen where the Lord has called me and I've dedicated myself to that calling until the end, until the Lord either stops financing it or until I die, it's revival or bust. Come on. Amen. Is that your heart tonight? I mean, who wants that? I am tired of being bored. I am tired of being lethargic and complacent. I want to be shaken. I want to go to church and experience the wonder and the majesty of who Christ is. Not just in words, not just in nice little music, but the glory of God. Come on. Anyways, so, brief introduction to where we're going today. Well, my wife started with Acts chapter 1. God, it sprung upon me this morning that I'm going to do Acts chapter 2. I tried to doff the responsibility off to Noah. He said, no, I really think, I feel from the Lord that you're to speak on it. Uh, so, here I am. I, I, um, I come not with persuasive words. For an intellectual individual, you're not going to find it in this man. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, I, I have no hope. There's, I barely made it through high school, folks. I mean, there's not much going on inside of here. But I'll tell you this. I do love Jesus. Amen. I do love Jesus His people. And that is enough to qualify you. You know, we see all throughout the Bible people who seemingly look unqualified. Very qualified. God uses the weak things. He uses the foolish things. And I come to you, Dad, the foolish one. So here we go. I got five bullet points of which I'm going to focus on. We'll probably only make it for, through the first five verses of Acts chapter 2. I want to go line upon line, precept upon precept. I don't want to bore you. But I think it's important that we just don't look at this story as something uh, that just happened, that we get into the integral details in this, the, the historical and cultural backgrounds of the story realize what was happening in Jerusalem, what was the scene like, what was going on in uh, you know, the disciples and, and the apostles at that point. I mean, this was, this was the birth of something so much different in the church. A new expression, a new model was being birthed, and they had no language, uh, really, to put it into words. They had no, of course, they relied upon the Old Testament, but there's no kind of grid for where they were going, you know. This was just the birth of uh, the, the church. This was the birth of the New Testament church. That's why me and you are here Sunday evening. We're going to church. Well, it started here in Acts chapter 1. If you want to uh, get a summary of Acts chapter 1, it's online. You can go there. Just get it up. My wife did a tremendous job. I'm going to pressure her to revisit Acts chapter 2. Actually, she was terribly disappointed because... Man, she just, Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1 was nice, but she, is, she feels Acts chapter 2, just like it's in her DNA. She's like, I'm actually disappointed, and I, she's like, here's my notes, and I'm like, God, oh, that's just cheating. I'm not going to take her notes. She's like, here, just preach my message. I'm like, it sounds good, Lord, and I can probably get through it, but, you know, I want her to be able to invest some time into this. I mean, how many just enjoy Bethany? I mean... We are blessed. I'm not trying to... She's my wife. It's a bit biased. I get it. But we are blessed to have a voice like that. I'm telling you, I've been here for years, and, and I'm not trying to put her up on a pedestal. There is not a voice like that in this city, anywhere. I meet with pastors. I go to pastor prayer meetings. I, I've served in uh, different churches prior to starting this fellowship. And, and there is not language that really is... Uh, um, 
you know, in other places that are in this place. I'm not trying to be biased. I'm just being absolute truthful. We have the crim of the crop. We really do in Bethany. And uh, I just want to honor that today. I, I have sat here the last two times, and I've cried. I've literally just, not bawling, but I've weeped just under what God has done and doing in her life. It's amazing. And, you know, the best thing about it is Bethany could be anywhere doing anything. She could be anywhere doing anything. But, again, she is so committed to the vision that God's placed inside of her. So she, she, she lives it out. It's not just something that she's trying to do to pay bills. It's something that's really burning on the inside of her. Acts chapter 2. If you don't mind, I'm going to have Will play. It's just... Good for me, kind of eases my, eases my tormenting spirits. <laughs> All right, just joking. Hopefully, there's no there's no tormenting spirits that of which I know, but it does have calling upon the minstrel of the Lord, the best. I'm telling you, we have the best in will. We really do. It's time blown away. All right, let's start right in the first verse of Acts chapter 2. Let's crack open the Word. Let's get our words. How many brought your Bible? Be it on iPad, iPhone, or just the plain old text. All right. Now, again, I want to um, just be able to say that I'm going to go line upon line, precept upon precept, trying to get the, the meat of some of these scriptures. So we're going we're gonna to dissect right away verse chapter 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And stop there and just put the brakes on. As we try to get into some of the details, cultural and historically, what was going on in Jerusalem at that time, we see that the that this particular time was a celebration. Many of you that may not be new news, maybe that's uh, new news to you. So that's why I'm saying it. It was a festival. It was a celebration. It was the celebration of uh, the first fruits, the coming grain, the, the abundance, the bounty, the things that the Lord was blessing in Jerusalem with. It was uh, the, them coming together and celebrating, really, the goodness of God. And this just didn't happen in Jerusalem. This event would stretch out to the, 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 the furthest reaches, even to the Roman Empire. Just it would, There was not just Jews, although it was primarily uh, you know, habitated by Jews, but there was people from a lot of uh, nationalities, background, international. It was an international event. Oh, and you could read that further in Acts chapter 2, the different types of, 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 of nations that were represented. I say this very specifically because, um, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it's, it's interesting that one of the manifestations that took place in this outpouring was... Uh, Tongues being poured out, but this wasn't just babbling. This is just wasn't me going, you know, where nobody understands. This was, it was literal. Although these apostles didn't realize it was literal, but it was language that those people from the other nations heard, and they were like, "Listen, they're talking about the exploits of God. They're talking about God, and these are just but Galileans. These are really, in essence, for the most part, uneducated men." Uh, talking in my language. And I say that, that that was one of the marvels, that was one of the wonders of what God was doing, is that these men, seemingly uneducated, can speak uh, uh, this, this person that just came in to celebrate the festival, their literal language. It would be like having me, having Jin, 
and having, I don't know, what's another language, uh, Portuguese, a Portuguese man here, and we're just all just like talking just out loud. She's talking in her uh, language. My Portuguese friend is talking in his, and I'm just talking just all at once. And from the observers, those who are observing, uh, maybe from different nationalities, said, hey, that person's talking in my language. That person is, is talking about the exploits and, and, and the, the majesty of God, so be it. So that it, I want to I want to say that this was intentional. This was intentional. God's genius. It really saying, okay, here you know, I, I'm an all intentional guy. So you see this big event starting to happen. People are coming from all the surrounding parts, gathering into Jerusalem to have a big celebration. Uh, the disciples have no idea that the fulfillment of the promise is coming that day. But in God's brilliant mind, He says, "This is the day that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pour my spirit out." And these people, just one of the aspects, these people who are coming from all around are going to connect and they're going to hear seemingly uneducated men talking in my language. And that's going to be an exploit. I mean, that is, you know, we probably hear that and be like, yeah, okay, what's the big deal? To me, that is, that is awesome. That, is, that just shows me the geniusness of God. It really does. That He is intentional. That He does nothing just by, you know... God, I hope I get it. But he is intentional, and everything has a season and a reason, not to sound cliche, but it really does. So, went a little bit ahead of myself, but giving you a little bit of background about this celebration and why there was people coming from all over to celebrate this time in Jerusalem, I want to uh, just take a little time because I want this to be very practical too. How do, is it applied to us? You know, yeah, we can go over Book of Acts and it can just be like, whoa, like it always is just like, wow, this is such a profound uh, thing that God did. But I really want to say, how does it apply to us? Especially as we're a community that puts such a high emphasis on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you've been in our prayer meeting, sometimes it's like all we pray for. We are, we're just saying, God, awakening. God, pour out your spirit upon Harvard. God, pour out your city upon this, uh, uh, pour out your spirit upon this city. Pour it out on the highways and the byways, the street corners, the homeless people. Just, God, a, 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 a complete outpouring of your spirit is what we desire. So you, I want to uh, bring understanding of why that language is used a lot. Because I feel, not just from what I feel, but in conversation with some of us, uh, and some of the people that are part of both our praying community and our church community, that there is a real, there's a real, I think it's more so a loss of heart when it comes to the exploits of God. There can become like, well, well, you just keep on saying it and saying it. We see nothing, nothing, you know. Joe Schmo just gave up on Jesus. He's a practicing atheist right now, you know, or, or uh, Bobby Sue's doing drugs, whatever. Or, you know, you know uh, Jack is, used to come to the prayer sets now. He's partying, whatever it might be. And the heart becomes so faint. And I want to encourage us not to become faith faint. We have to understand that God is a God of the suddenly. Amen. We never know what is taking place behind the scenes when we step in and there's 30 or 40 of us praying for revival day in, day out. You know, obviously it's much more broader. We cover a lot more subjects, but an overwhelming theme is God pour out your spirit upon our hearts and upon the people of this city's hearts. And I want to encourage us never to become bored with that prayer or that desire. Never, never become faint of heart as much as you can. Keep your heart sensitive and expectant. When you become 
you know, uh, delusional over circumstances and what your friends and peers are doing and saying, I know the gambit. I've been here for six years. I know how college students work, what their mindsets are towards uh, J-Hop and other ministries. Don't let it get inside of you. Get sealed and believe God that He not only wanted to do it in that upper room, but He wants to do it here in this place and He wants to do it in this city. Man, there is no plan B. Yeah. I'd say that to our group here, our little staff of uh, uh, you know, about 13, whatever it is. I was like, guys, because well, I'm just trying to pummel into their minds. This is not a bad thing. We should not get bored, but we should go after this in prayer. I, I instill it in them, almost like, this is our inheritance. We're not just praying and gathering a room day after day, tied to some dead-end dream, something that's not going to happen. We are invested in seeing the dreams of God be the reality in our churches and in our city and in our pathetic little prayer meetings. Come on! So never become weary. Don't become weary. I, I can't instill that enough in our core team. And I, I, want, I want to instill that in you. Keep focused and understand that God is a God who suddenly, at a moment notice, this whole thing could change. Amen. Could change. That's the God we serve. And that's why we become so zealous and jealous when we read these things. We're like, God, in our generation, would you pour out your spirit again? You know, one thing that we know that it's, it's it, well, and I, I'm not much of a theologian, but I've, I've done a little study when it comes to this. Many people think that the outpouring of the Spirit for what's one time, one time only, was to fulfill uh, uh, the fulfillment of the promise of God that He would come and baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. But Peter says something interesting. He quotes Joel 2 and references that there were in the last days. Well, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen Christ return. And, and, and even in that, in our history, we, not only in this city, but in the nations of the earth, have such a history of revival, of awakenings taking place, of almost these mirrors and these, these like, you know, images of what took place in Pentecost taking place now. It's not like something that's not happening, just because it's not happening here, per se, uh, to the extent it may be happening there. It, listen, we, this, this is life. This is the community. This is the expectancy that we should have. It's not something that just happened in one day, one time. Matter of fact, I pray I have many Pentecosts in my individual life. Yeah. I need it. I won't be able to survive without it. Yeah. You find me on the street corner with Joe Schmo. I need the outpouring of the Spirit of God in my life. And you do too. And the city does. And it's what we should be aimed to. Got a little bit off track, but I want to bring some practicals here. Because this thing just doesn't happen in a vapor. You know, there's certain characteristics and themes that we find in Acts 2 that really play suit. Yes, it was the totality of what Christ wanted to do with the fulfillment of the promise of the Father. But yet there were so many details. You understand that prior to this, the next uh, line that I'll go upon, that there was such striving within the disciples. Not necessarily in Acts chapter 1, but you, you at the Gospels, at the end of the Gospels, they were talking, you know, Jesus, I think it was the, the supper... Whatever it was, they were contending with each other. Well, who's the, you know, who's the best? Who's the special? Who's the beloved one? And all through the book of Acts, you find this overwhelming theme of oneness and unity. And ultimately, I think you find that in the Old Testament. This, this sense of togetherness, where that striving ends and that contention ends with one another. And 
there's this really just not a superficial, like we call unity, you know, I like in New, New England, the new movement of God is all based around unity, but there's, but there's really just compromise in our unity, because we're willing to compromise truths in the scripture just to partner with some ministry or some entity to help our mission or our conference or whatever it is, and that's not unity at all, and that's not the unity we're talking about in Acts but I want to point out here uh, this one accord in one place in the same verse of Acts chapter 2, verse 1. This is so important. So important. And we see this theme, I think, and what I've seen even later in Acts chapter 2, but throughout the whole book. How many know even that later in Acts chapter 4, the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 was taking place? There was a Pentecost. They were in one mood, and that room got shaken, and that thing happened that happened again in many accounts in the book of Acts. But there was this overwhelming theme of oneness, of unity. There, that striving had ended. That, that place of contention had ended within their hearts. And, you know, we need to be like-minded when it comes to, you know, even praying for awakening, that we are really checking and balancing our heart to say, Lord, where are we with our brothers and sisters? Where are we with other ministries? Where are we with those who... Name the name of Jesus. Are we offended? Are we jaded? Are we judgmental? No, that's not really what we're looking for. And we put a high emphasis on unity and oneness. You know, especially as intercessors, it's so easy to become jaded. When you're praying for the church year and after year, and you have experiences of just, you know, I'm not going to get into it because it's really not that big of a deal, but you just have bad experiences, and you're, it's so hard to keep your heart from not being offended. You just be like, I'm not praying for them anymore. But my vision for this city is goes Far beyond what takes place in this room. Listen, I was at one meeting. It was so, the Spirit of God was just so wise. And He used me. I know that sounds amazing to most of you, but He did use me. It's a meeting about, I think, 12 to 10 influential pastors in the city. And we just got to talking. We're just like trying to get, you know, kind of like the blueprint of what we feel like the Spirit of God wants to do in the city. And the conversation went dreadfully horrible where this real like strife of who's going to pioneer you know this movement who's going to lead it because of their status or the number of people they have it just got ugly and um, I just remember God speaking to me and saying you know tell them Daryl that you pray for their success that it's not about what ministry leads it or what ministry gets the 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 award you know for unifying the saints but it, there's something much bigger than that, and I'm going to tie this in, so please bear with me, uh, that my vision goes beyond what this house could do or what this church plan could do. And believe me, I have tremendous hope and vision for what the Lord wants to do through this community. I do. I, I taste it. I see it. I feel, in a sense, although maybe some of us don't connect with it, the wind of God is on our back in this season. I really do. I feel like there's extreme favor and finances and the people that we're gathering. We're not just gathering flaky poops. We are, we are gathering some real solid young men and young women. I have nothing against flaky poop. I've been there. I go there sometimes. So please don't take that out of frame. I don't mean to offend. But God is really doing something in this community. And we need to have wisdom on how to be able to steward what God is doing. And one of those ways that we can have wisdom is guarding the place of unity as one that's amongst us. It is. And it goes far beyond just our core team of whoever that might be between our church community and our praying community. It goes into those who are involved, you who come in maybe on a monthly, 
yearly, uh, every other week basis, is keeping our heart clean towards one another, keeping our heart from guile and judgment and, and ridicule of one another, but really saying, God, we want oneness. I'm not talking about programmed oneness where you become, yeah. I'm just going to listen to what you know. There's something in the Spirit of God that surpasses that type of stuff. And they had it in this book and many other times where we see this expression of the manifest presence of God, we see that it's all surrounded by this oneness factor, this unity. But I want to lead us, and many of us may know the passage of scriptures in Psalms 133. If we can just turn there briefly. <clears throat> We're probably very familiar with this portion of Scripture. But I think it it clearly articulates my heart and where I'm desiring to go with this. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony as the precious for harmony is as precious as anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's beard and ran down his beard. And unto uh, Sorry, unto the border road. That's not necessarily what I'm focused on. That's all good. But this is what I really want to focus on is this next portion of uh, scriptures. Where in, in the same verse, because there's only one, I oh, know this in three. Harmony as as is refreshing as the dew of Mount Hermon that falls in the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Now this is a different translation. But most translations say it, it, it puts this picture of unity and harmony in, in, in the brethren. And, and it says later in the, in, in the scripture that the Lord releases his commanded blessing and, in regards to honoring that unity and that oneness. That his heart is so moved by seeing actually people stop striving in contention and judgment with one another and they come into a real place of synergy and the, and the place of unity. Just real brass, tack, not, brass tacks, non-superficial unity. And we see the Lord's heart respond with not just a blessing, but commanded blessing. It's almost, it's almost like you can see the Lord in this portion of Scripture just be so moved that it says, yes, they're getting it. And I would like to think, although... Acts chapter 2 has, there's so much that we can dissect here in Acts chapter 2, but I think it's important as we are a community that emphasizes again upon the outpouring and just awakening and revival in this region, just the prayers you've heard it, the, the teachings you've heard it, but as we emphasize that, we must also emphasize unity and oneness. Yes, this was the fullness of the Father's promise here in Acts chapter 2. But for us, there has to be checks and balances. There has to be a place, again, where we can get into that place of true union with one another. And I believe the Spirit of God wants it. And I believe that He not only wants it, in that unity, He wants to release commanded blessings. So, there comes a time in our lives as intercessors, be it if you're in school, in the workplace, you're here, you're praying, you're probably praying in your dorm rooms, you're, you're people of prayer, or else you probably wouldn't come. That as we pray for this awakening in our own hearts, in the hearts of our friends, in the hearts of our city, 
and so on and so forth that we also put within checks and balances. Where do we lie with one another? Telling you, it's so important to the heart of God. Okay. Bash that into the ground anymore. So Psalms 133, we see the response of God to the unity of his people. I love it. Let's move on here in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to dissect this too much because it's so plain to see, although I will pull certain things out of this that I think are important to our message here today. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Pretty self-explanatory. God comes in like a rushing wind. It doesn't say it was a rushing wind. It says it had the, most translations says it had the appearance. They're just trying to give language to what it felt like. How many are happy that God is just not always casual with us, but He likes to come in dramatically. How many want God to come in dramatically now when we meet to pray together? You know, it's good that we're praying. I'm all for it. But there has to be a means to the end. Not just coming together and praying together. I can do that in my closet. I can do that in my basement. There has to be something that we're looking for to see and to experience. I don't really think it's a bad thing, but really experiencing that rushing wind, that, that, that impression. And we feel it sometimes. I've been in this place. I felt sometimes that the Lord could just suck us up. <laughs> I just feel like sometimes in worship and prayer, it just feels like, wow, I just feel like the... the the sphere between, I don't know if that's the right word, but the place, the sphere between here and there is so thin, God. And I just feel like you can do anything suddenly. That's what it's all about. That's what we desire in our prayer meetings. Not just to go through the emotions of prayer, but to actually experience the glory, the rushing wind. That's what we desire. And I love this because it gives us, it gives us a grid to say yes. We're, 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 we're in the upper room, but God, we're looking for the rushing wind. We're doing the upper room thing. We're in there praying, seeking your face. But Father, oh, we want to see your glory. We want to experience the appearance of rushing wind fire. I love it. One thing I want to draw our attention just to, and this can be argument. Uh, this could you know, lead to like a discussion of just disagreement and whatnot. But I want to... <laughs> Just because I think it's so cool to what we're doing here at the House of Prayers, the scripture says it was a house. If you study that, some theologians will say, no, it was in the temple. But I really, in my opinion, had studied that. I didn't get any form of temple, you know, church kind of building thing going on. I literally couldn't. I wanted to tie it into that, you know, because it made sense that it would happen in temple worship and temple setting and all that went up. But I found nothing that indicated that this happened. In a, in, a, in a temple or at a time of a church service or a church building. And, and I think that's so cool. And I, like, I want to tie it into what we do here because this is a house. And we are not moved by church buildings. We are not moved by bigger stages and bigger facilities. In most cases, they're just facades. Not at all, but they're just facades. I'm more interested about what's going inside the house. What's going on in the hearts of the people who are gathered in that place. That's really what my heart burns for. Now, inherently, I'm not... So listen, 
we are not going to be a mom in pop's, uh, you know, variety store uh, ministry forever. Because once God begins to really pour those bowls over this community, the, 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 the next phase is just God grows things. The bigger stage comes, the bigger place comes, and all is well and good. But it's our job to steward it because bigger things tend to corrupt. And even in ministry, they tend to corrupt. I've been there. I know it doesn't look like that today, but I've been on the stage. I've been in front of the masses, and i got nothing but a prideful head and a prideful heart, which ultimately led me to the end of that ministry. And it has a tendency. But hear me, we are not looking to be just a storefront ministry. That's not the objective here. We believe that God wants to set us in a house, not renting, but owning. Amen. Come on. Glory. I see it. Listen, I see it. It's suddenly. Suddenly. Come on. Okay. Your God told you it would uh, take a little bit of time to run through these scriptures that we'll probably only get to five points. But we see this house. I saw nowhere where it kind of led to temple worship or a temple gathering. It, it all seemed, seemingly felt like through my study that it happened in a literal house in the upstairs portion of this house. Don't ask me how it fit 120 people, but sometimes I wonder how we fit the people that we do in here. Uh, so I believe it's very possible. I mean, some Saturday nights it just gets absolutely scary. It hasn't been that way. Most students are away. But we will pack this place out. And you're just like, Lord, I see how it can happen. You know? So, anyways... And I just want to—I want to preface that because what we sometimes view as seemingly insignificant is not insignificant Amen. at all. I think of probably the two most profound accounts in Scripture to me, and they may be different for you, but it's the birth of Christ. Really, I may not be that way for you, but it is for me. And Acts, the Book of Acts. And from what took place in just an upper room, it wasn't happening in popular Christianity or popular you know, church life in that day it just was a group of fellers who just experienced the, a tremendous account of seeing their best friend slaughtered up to people denying him, his own disciples selling him you know, and all this stuff they're just, I, I see it as they're just a time of licking their wounds you know oh, what's going to happen, God gives your spirit you know, you have Peter there, just the man of denial uh, just sitting hiding in a corner, it gets filled with the Holy Spirit and steps out on the balcony. 3,000 are added to the church. Come on. So, where am I going with this? Well, yes. Uh, seemingly what we view, especially in our Western world, in the Western church, is that, you know, you just got to have the big and the best. It's not just in church culture. Uh, I sometimes experience in my life you know, if the next door neighbor got a nicer lawn than me, I want a nicer lawn than him, so I'm going to pump some greenery in that thing. You know, if he's got a nicer car, I, I don't have a nice car, but my wife does. Um, so, but you, there's this tendency to always reach for more to try to give us some, some sense of accomplishment. Or, and even in the church, man, I meet with pastors all the time in group settings and if we don't have a hundred people, and as if that's a great number, then we're just failures as, as ministers. We're just not doing it. No, 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 no. Sometimes what some seems seemingly insignificant is very significant in the eyes of God. And I liken that to this house. 
I mean, I feel as though what we do here is so significant. Not that other things aren't. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not part of those other things. I'm part of this thing. And I believe with all my heart that God uses that which seems foolish to manifest His strength and His power. How many believe that? God uses as a foolish community. displays your glory. So suddenly, we're going to... I told you we could go for some time, and I'm going to convene. So I'm going to hold true to my word, but I'm going to try to just drive some points uh, that will bring some conclusions, hopefully. So suddenly, the Spirit of the Lord breaks out upon this room in a, in a house. Let's go on to three. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, as a fire, and the one sat, I'm sorry, and one sat upon each of them. That's profound. That's Divided tongues, I, when I, I want to be clear about that, like I referenced early, is that these tongues were just not babblings. They were just not somebody, and everybody in the room being like, what is that dude doing over there, man? You know, this, from those who were just observing from the outside, these things were, it says right there, I think it's in 9 or 11, that, that these men were actually talking about, uh, I, I, uh, most translations are different, uh, but they were talking about God and, and His accounts, his, just the, the awesomeness of God. And they're like, listen, these guys are, are, are talking my language. This is weird. I can barely master the English language, as many of you may have attested to tonight, let alone if the Spirit of God comes upon me and then I learn Spanish in a, a moment's notice. That's wild. It's, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's where we see just the geniusness, I think, of God. If that's the word, geniusness. Uh, Christina, help me out. Geniusness? No? Genius. 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 I'll just use genius. I like geniusness. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel right, even when you say it. Like, I feel like that's terribly wrong. Yeah, there's an anointing on the word. You know, I think we're in the ministry of creating new words. I love it. <laughs> Maybe they'll make a new dictionary for uh, Justice House of Prayer. I don't know. Um, so we see this inbreak of God's power suddenly. I want, I do. I listen. It's five fifty. There's no reason we will be here next Sunday doing the same thing. There's no reason to be long-winded. Um, just a couple, hopefully, inspirating things from the first verses of the Book of Acts, guys. This isn't fantasy. This isn't just words that are written on a page that are meant to provoke you, but you're not to see any of it, do any of it, or witness any of it. These are things of which we strongly believe in this community God wants to do. In this community, and in this city. And I want to give us a, a clear-sounding voice that we will not relent over these topics, even in prayer. I will never become, although we hit many things, I will never... Nothing will ever trump in my mind the need for the outpouring or awakening of my own heart, my friends' hearts, my cities. Come on, there's in my mind, there's no plan B. It's not going to come from our flashy little teaching, our flashy little worship, our you know our nice little PowerPoint messages. Although they're great, it's going to come from just a raw, authentic move. Amen. There is no plan B. Would you stand to your feet? Father, we thank you for this brief time that we have together. Lord, we thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we ask, God, as we leave this place, Lord, that we would have that just a glorious day. Father, we ask, Lord, that we would treat 
your spirit, Lord, like an on and off switch. But, Lord, we would keep things on in our hearts, Lord, that we would experience your closeness and your nearness on our lives. Lord, yes, bring us in to our fulfillment. Bring us in to the fullness of promise over this ministry, that which you've declared both prophetically and to our own hearts. Lord, we long, Lord, for an outpouring. Lord, let it begin today. Let it begin today as we leave this place. Jesus, mighty name. Amen. Amen. Be seated just five seconds. I'm going to keep you just a little longer. You know, we generally do altar calls and, and try to get into the whole, trying to minister, drum it up thing, and it works. But, I, you know, sometimes it's just good to step back from it, you know. So, um, but just briefly, we have a couple announcements. Uh, uh, many of you may know, may not know, those of you who have been coming on you know, Wednesday or Saturday night, we are... We are stopping our Wednesday prayer service for nothing more than this. Um, which this is a prayer meeting that's been going on. This is a Wednesday night prayer meeting that's been going on for six years. We're, we're concluding it for a